Okay, welcome back to lesson four of our Bible-braced study verse-by-verse verse through the Gospel of John. So if you have not been following along, please go back and listen to Intro to Bible Study and go ahead and follow through on lesson one through three that came before this. Um, this is lesson four, and we have made it to verse four and five of chapter one. So it's not taking us very long. We're doing great. All right. So we're going to get right back into the passage. When we left off last time, we were talking about this idea between verse four and five of God, the son, Jesus being life and the life was the light of humanity and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. On our paper, we've written a few things here just to help us be able to um, pour into this a little bit deeper to dig some truths out of it. So we have a life. Um, there's a box around life, both physical and spiritual. We know this from digging down into what the word means. Mark 10, 17 shows its spiritual connotation when it was used in the um, man's question of what must we do to inherit eternal life. And we also have, um, the idea of the light that's in this passage is light from the sun or as the idea of celestial bodies that give off a lot of heat and light. And it's so synonymous with the, with life itself that it's come to be a term used for that and refers to God, the father and God, the son, James one seventeen has father of lights using the same word. And John one eight says the light is Jesus. Um, so we, we're able to dig into that a little bit more. And then we were able to, into the footnotes in our MacArthur Study Bible, we have been reading through how light and darkness are used symbolically in scripture, um, and that intellectually, light refers to biblical truth, while darkness refers to error or falsehood. Morally, light refers to holiness or purity, while darkness refers to sin or wrongdoing. And then this is where we left off on our last lesson. So let's get right back into this footnote here. <clears throat> Darkness has special significance and relationship to Satan and his demonic cohorts who rules the present spiritually dark world. And we know this from 1 John five nineteen. Let's go there real quick. Another passage that was written by John, the apostle. So 1 John five nineteen. It says, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So if the whole world lies in the power of the evil one and Jesus came as light, that makes sense then as verse five of our passage in John one says, and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. Okay. So we're getting into this battle a little bit here, this, this really cosmic conflict um, of light versus darkness, of spiritual and moral and intellectual light versus darkness. Okay, so back to our footnote. Um, as the prince and power of the air, Satan is promoting spiritual darkness and rebellion against God. Let me see that from Ephesians 2, 2. Let's go there real quickly too. Also, <laughs> in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the ruler of the authority of the air, the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience. So it's talking about the way we used to walk before we became children of God. 
We used to walk according to the course of this world, according to the ruler of the authority of the air, the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience. I'm curious what this word course, according to the course of this world. I'm just going to look this up and see if there's anything interesting here. So double tapping that gives us from a root meaning life, especially long life, old age. It refers to an age, a cycle of time especially of the present age as contrasted with the future age and of one of a series of ages stretching to infinity. That is really interesting. From the beginning of the present age, from the beginning of time, etc. And that references Luke 170. Let's go there real quick and see what this passage says. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. Okay, so the idea here, if we go back to our passage in Ephesians 2, 2, we see here in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. And so the idea here is of according to the way life is on this planet, basically, according to the the time period, the life um, expectation almost. It has this idea of, of it being the norm, of it being that that amount of time of this world, according to the ruler of the authority of the air, the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience. That is really interesting. The sons of disobedience. There's a lot here. Um, the idea of disobedience, if you double tap on that word, rebellion. Um, very, very interesting. So, Lots there. And again, we're just in the footnote of this passage. But if we go back to the footnote here, it says um, he's promoting spiritual darkness and rebellion against God, Satan is. And then it says John uses the term darkness 14 times. He uses it eight times in the Gospel of John and six times in 1 John. And it says out of its 17 occurrences in the New Testament, John is the one who, who uses it 14 of those 17 times making it almost an exclusive John word. In John, light and life have their special significance and relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, the word. And then he gives reference to John 1, 9, which let's go there together. The true light who gives light to every person was coming into the world. So we are going to get into this passage because it's a little bit further on in the chapter we're in right now. But this is a really sweet verse to think about. The true light who gives light to every person was coming into the world. Let's go to verse 10. He was in the world and the world came into being through him and the world did not recognize him. Verse 11, he came to his own things and his own people did not receive him. And verse 12 says, but as many as received him to those who believe in his name, he gave to them authority to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of a husband, but of God. This is a very, very important passage. And I don't want to skim over it because it's, it's, um, girding up the passage that we're in earlier, but I think it does help us to have a more full picture here of this idea of Jesus coming to earth. He has made everything. He has created even the spiritual forces for evil that are in the world. And he gave them the right to choose what they would do. And they chose to go against him. Um, some of them, obviously not all, 
But in him was life, and the life was the light of humanity, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Do you see how important it is to study and to really get into a passage, to really dig down? Because wouldn't it be easy just to read over this? And the way that the phrase kind of almost has a cadence to it, you could just get caught up in its rhythm and not really think about what it's saying and just kind of cruise through this passage. And, you know, you need to, we need to dig down. We need to really see what, what's being said here and have a better understanding of it tied in with the rest of scripture and with how these things all come together. And again, it just proves and encourages our hearts. It proves our faith because we're seeing God, the father and his plan and God, the son and his act action in that. We're seeing how scripture supports itself and how it adds confirmation. All the other passages are saying the same thing. You know, they're all written by different people and they're saying the same thing, right? They're they're drawing us back to this is Jesus's purpose on earth. This is why he came and he succeeded, even though it doesn't look like he did at this point to some of us. So very, very cool to be able to spend some time in here. Um, so this passage, John 1, 9 was at the bottom of this footnote, and it has a few other passages we're going to go to really quick. So John 9, 5 is another passage referenced with this idea of life and its special significance in relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, the word. So John 9, 5, let's go there quickly. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. This is Jesus talking again. Um, so he is saying, while I'm here, I'm the light, right? And that ties in with what we read in verse five of chapter one. The light is shining in the darkness and the darkness is not overcoming it. Let's quickly go to first John one, five through seven. First John one, five through seven. For those that may not know, the gospel of John was written by the apostle John, as we've referenced, the disciple of Jesus. First, second, and third John were also written by him. And Revelation, the book of Revelation was also written by him. So John wrote quite a bit of the New Testament, actually. All right. So we are in first John one, five through seven. It says, and this is the message which we have heard from him. Who's the him here? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's go back to the beginning. We're not that far into first John. Let's see what it says here. What was from the beginning? Yeah, that's really interesting. It sounds kind of like the beginning of the gospel of John, doesn't it? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and our hands have touched concerning the word of life. Here, John is using again, the idea of Jesus being the word. He is the word of life and the life was revealed and we have seen and testify and announce to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we announce to you also. You guys getting this idea here? John's saying he was a witness, right? He was a witness of these things happening. He walked with Jesus. He saw his ministry. He lived with him while he was, you know, for that portion of time he was on earth and he was active in the ministry. And so John is saying, we all saw it. We heard it. We can testify about that. And now we're sharing it in these letters we're writing. We're sharing that as we put down what happened. And he says, 
what we have seen and heard, we announce to you also, in order that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write in order that our joy may be complete. So John's writing these things so that these people can have fellowship with him. Fellowship with ultimately the Father and the Son. And so we're talking here not just about like a community fellowship, but the idea here of shared um, belief, of shared like family ties, right? Let's see here, fellowship, if we open it up, if it has anything special here. It says partnership, contributory help, spiritual fellowship, a fellowship in the spirit. And then it says frequently outside of the New Testament, it's used to discuss the marriage relationship. And that's a really good way of looking at it too, because when you are part of the family of God, there is something, there's a strong bond there. There's a strong intimacy and fellowship. And we know that marriage is a picture of that relationship with God and with the relationship Christ has with his church. And there's so much symbolism we can get into here. So He's saying he's writing these things so they can have fellowship with him. Ultimately, he's writing these things to us so we can have fellowship, right? These are wishes for our ability to be in fellowship with God, the Father and God, the Son, for us to join in that relationship. These things we write in order that our joy may be complete. And some translations would say in order that your joy may be complete. Let's just quickly go in our study Bible and see what MacArthur has to say about that. If we go to 1 John real quick. First John, and what verse are we in? Um, verse four of First John one. Hey, he, there he says, "Our joy may be complete." A main goal for this epistle is to create joy in the readers. The proclamation of the reality of the gospel produces a fellowship and eternal life, and in turn, fellowship and eternal life produces joy. That's neat. So this translation says, "We're writing these things so that our joy may be complete." Also. Okay, so then having that context, let's move down to verses five through seven, which is why we are here (laughs) in the first place. And this is the message which we have heard from him, so heard from Jesus, and announced to you that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And then verse 8 says, if we say we do not have sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just so that he will forgive us our sins and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So that passage has great significance for the Christian, obviously. Um, It's a passage that we should know and really study, but it really ties in beautifully with what we've been reading in verses four and five. The idea behind Jesus is the light that's shining in the darkness, that he's the light of humanity, he's life, and that darkness does not overcome him. So once again, we're out of time, (laughs) right as it's getting good. But I hope you guys are enjoying this study as we wrap up lesson four, and we will see you again, lesson five. Live your life today as if you are a child of the light, thanks to the power of what Jesus has done and his fellowship with you. So I hope that this has an impact on your day. I love you guys. I'll see you later.